Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Political Party. This is a special bonus episode covering the surprise, shock resignation of the First Minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon. And my guest is Stuart MacDonald, the MP for Glasgow South, SNP Member of Parliament and a strong ally of Nicola Sturgeon. And we talk about just firstly the surprise of it, but we cover it in every angle. Um, I won't do the usual PR spiel at the start of this episode, but just to let you know um, who my forthcoming guests are, because that always seems like a a sensible thing to do. Um, the next show on the 20th of February, my guest is Keir Starmer. Then on the 6th of March, my guest is Eddie Izzard. Then on the 20th of March, my guest is Krishnan Guru Murthy. On the 3rd of April, my guest is the former leader of the Scottish Conservatives, Ruth Davidson. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about based, uh, if not just on today's news, recent events. Um, I guess still TBC for Monday the 17th of April, but I can reveal now for the first time that my guest on Monday the 22nd of May will be David Blunkett. And you can get tickets to all those shows by clicking on the link um, in the in the blurb and on the show notes or going to mapford.com. So on to today's just incredible news. I mean... It, Obviously, things have been going less well for Nicola Sturgeon recently than they had been going. But that is also, it has to be put in the context of still remarkable levels of personal and party popularity uh, throughout her eight years as First Minister. I, I don't think it's any underestimation to say, uh, I'm not, understatement rather to say, I'm just waffling because it's just so, in, I actually can't believe what's happened. So um, I'm very grateful to Stuart for, for giving me 40 minutes of his time just to pick through it all uh, as an ally of hers, about what it means for the party, for the country, for Scottish and British politics, about the reasons behind that decision, the effects of it, how it's going to make people feel, just in every uh, single way. So this is a very uh, human way to deal with just such a big news story uh, as we all react to the fact that Scottish and British politics is going to be out with, you know, soon to be without uh, one of its defining figures, uh, one of its most dominant figures. So without further ado, uh, here is my uh, chat recorded just now uh, with the SNP Member of Parliament for Glasgow South, Stuart MacDonald. Delighted to be joined by Stuart MacDonald, MP for Glasgow South and ally of Nicola Sturgeon, Stuart did you see this coming? No, um, definitely not. And if you read, I did a big interview over four pages with the Herald on Sunday last week where I was asked this exact question. Uh, is is Nicola Sturgeon about to resign? Is she on the edge of going? And I said, no, absolutely not. And, you know, this was kind of coming up over the past few weeks. And, and I, I, I said to a journalist uh, in Westminster, just last week, you know, the First Minister has just done a press conference, if you remember, in Butte House, what would that be, a week and a half ago, something like that, two weeks ago? I said if she was on the verge of resigning, she wouldn't have called a press conference that she didn't need to call. So, no, I didn't see this coming at all. Uh, this has caught all of us by surprise in the SNP. 
I mean, it does. Obviously, she's in a different position to where she would have been even a year ago. And she's been first minister for eight years and all that political gravity catches up with all leaders. But even given the recent um, political storms that she's been involved, it, it still just seemed a bit premature from the outside. I think I think she's serious when she says she's been thinking about this for some time. Uh, I watched her resignation speech uh, closely and I, I'll, I'll watch it back. But I, I, I don't think for a minute this is about recent events. I'm sure that it's it's kind of coloured her thinking a bit, but I don't think it's the driver. I think she's serious when she says she's been mulling this over and giving it the, the proper weight and consideration it deserves for some time. And... You know, she's been very honest and upfront about those reasons. Uh, and I think there's there's something in that for all of us, really. You've been a, a very staunch ally of her, always, always um, defending her on social media and stuff. I mean, did she text you and say, I'm about to resign? Or did you just see a BBC <laughs> News alert? I mean, how did you find out? No, she did not run it by me, Matt, <laughs> uh, or give me any advance warning, and nor would I've expected her to. Um, no, I I found out at the at the at the same I found out at the same point as as everybody else, um, and I'm stunned by it. I mean, as you know, I share a I share a constituency with the first minister. We we share a part of my constituency. Um, I know how how highly regarded she is by the people in Scotland who know her best, which is which is those who live in her constituency and who she's represented uh, for many, many years. This will have caught all of them by surprise as well. I'm glad to see she still intends to stay on as a constituency MSP, but even just in talking to other colleagues and other colleagues who have known the First Minister far better and far longer than I have, um, we are all genuinely stunned uh, by the decision. Mainly, as an outside observer, it's that she's obviously just still so popular. And, and I get that recent polls may not have been kind, but every leader goes through that. And we're used to prime ministers going through storms and often going into a, a general elections points behind and still winning. So she still enjoys a level of unprecedented popularity at a Scottish and at a UK level, given the, the, the sheer amount of time that she's remained popular and, and, and the party's remained popular under her stewardship. As well as the personal reasons behind it, obviously leadership takes its toll, politics takes its toll on people. Do you think she's come to the conclusion, fair or not, that she can't deliver independence and that given the relative popularity still of the party, it's better to let someone else have a go and try and get it over the line? No, I, I don't doubt for a minute that she would have delivered independence if she had stayed on. And and as you say, I'm I'm the loyalist's loyalist. I wanted her to deliver uh, independence. I wanted her to lead us into that campaign. And I don't doubt she'll still be a very big part of that campaign. I don't think she's walking away from the cause that she's committed her entire adult life to. Um, yeah. I, I, I th as I say, I think it's I think it's all down to the reasons that she gave in her resignation in her resignation statement. She she wants to be able to to move on and focus on Nicola Sturgeon, the human being, for a bit. She's still young. Uh, she's going on her own terms. I saw a really uh, I thought quite a thoughtful um, uh, piece by David Lammy on his radio show where he said Nicola Sturgeon will leave as she arrived on her own terms. Not many political leaders get to do that. In fact, 
I'm, I can't really think of that many who get to do that. They're normally forced out of office by events or their own misjudgments or whatever it might be. Not in Nicola Sturgeon's case. She's decided it's time to move on. She's decided it's time for somebody else to take on this job because the job requires everything, absolutely everything of the person who holds that office. Uh, and only those who have served in that position know what that is like. And if she's come to the conclusion that it's time for her to pass that to somebody else, then, you know, I don't doubt that she's given that all the thought and serious weight that it needs. And what's the reaction amongst colleagues? I mean, everyone must be as shocked as you are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's 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 a mixture of generally being uh, stunned. Inevitably, people wonder, you know, who next and what comes next, and we'll have plenty of time to to think about that. But I think what most people are focused on is is just trying to let the news sink in, which I don't even think myself it fully has yet. I mean. Nicola has been the party leader the entire time I've been an MP. I remember, I remember contacting her when I first decided to run as an MP uh, to to see what she thought, um, and she's been with me in every election campaign in my constituency. Um, she advised against I've... it, didn't she? You ignored her advice and stood. <laughs> no, not at all. She was always, she was always really encouraging of me to to put myself forward and. You know, she re very recently, just before the end of last year, gave me an award, one of the, one of the party's award ceremonies for uh, within the SNP. You know, I, I, I've I've grown up in the party with her uh, at the top or second from the top. Uh, and I first met her, I think it would have been the was it the ninety seven general election when she was a candidate in Govan when Mohammed Sarwar got elected for Labour. Uh, where she gave me a balloon in the street, and I had a Nicola Sturgeon poster up in my bedroom window, which my dad and it's still there. Take down. <laughs> I've moved since then, <laughs> but I used I put it up, and my my dad would take it down, and then I would put it back up again, and then he would take it. Was this war of attrition between the two of us? So I've known her a long, long time uh, in different ways, uh, and I am like I'm gutted uh, that she's gone, but I totally understand it. Did you feel emotional watching it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't think it's set in yet. I've got a meeting of my constituency party tonight. Um, and, you know, she's the kind of leader who people in the SNP genuinely know her. She does, she's never had a barrier between her and members, especially members in her own constituency and here in Glasgow. But, but you know, when you go to conference, yeah, sure, she's got the scrum around her and, and stuff like that. Um, usually to protect her from uh, from the nasty media, um, but she 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 knows members on first name terms. She knows people's parents. She knows their children, uh, and she remembers these things. You know, she I remember she helped my mother many years ago when she was struggling with a an equal pay claim against her employer. Um, so people know Nicola. She's not just Nicola Sturgeon, First Minister and Party Leader. People know her as a person, as a as a friend, as a human being. Uh, of course, people are emotional uh, about it because she's she's given so much to all of us uh, and so much to the cause. Um, how can you be anything other than, than a bit emotional? And do you... Obviously, now this is a crossroads moment, isn't it? The, the SNP really, most of its recent history has been led effectively by gradualists by people like John Swinney, Alex Salmond and uh, and Nicola Sturgeon. The party 
could go in a different direction now. Things could really change. I mean, do you slightly worry that uh, this could be a perilous moment for the SNP? No, um, I, I've always said that I think SNP members are far more fair-minded than they're often given credit for or or or, or kind of characterised as. Um, you know, we're, we are a mass membership organisation of around about 100,000 people. So we're, we are broadly kind of representative of the country at large. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what the timescales will be for, for a leadership contest and things like that. But we will now have a debate about the not just the next leader, but the direction of the party, because this comes in the context of is, you know, already starting to have a debate about kind of the approach to independence. Now we will have that debate in a very different context. It will be about a new leader and, and the agenda that they want to, to bring and, and, and take forward. So I'm not worried about it. Um, I think debate is a good thing. Members of the SNP will, will, will grasp it with both hands, I'm sure, once we get over the initial shock. Um, but members of the SNP are good, honest, fair-minded Scots, much like I'm sure you know, our counterparts in the Labour Party or, or whatever else were just kind of fiendishly geeky and that we're all really into politics, you know? Because from the outside, it looks as if things have been getting less happy in the SNP family, I guess. You know, Ian Blackford, no longer leader of the Westminster Group. Uh, Stephen Flynn, who seemed perhaps closer to, you know, not necessarily as much of an ally to Nicola Sturgeon as Ian Blackford was. Anathan Thulis wanted it. She didn't get it. And now Sturgeon's gone. I mean, to the outside, it could look like things are happening quite quickly in the SNP that perhaps those of us in the public don't quite appreciate yeah i mean obviously we've as you mentioned we've had some changes in my own group uh at westminster uh i didn't want ian to go i know that you know ian and i were pals i was his i was his campaign manager when he ran for leader in 2017 and i think he may have told you a version of that uh a version of events that i will need to come back and fact check at some point um, and, you know, we've got a new leadership team at Westminster. I think they've got off to a, a decent start. You know, they're they're still fresh in office and finding their feet and, you know, good. They've got a bit of time before we're up against the electoral contest. Um, and now this has uh, happened. So it is a lot of change. Uh, I have not quite computed yet uh, what it means and, and where we need to go from here. Um, but do I think it's unhappy? It's testing, I would say. I don't think it's unhappy. Um, we are a family uh, and family squabble. That's what happens. But at the end of the day, we all find a way to to get along and make it work. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's testing. Change is always tough for people. But, you know, we're all grown-ups and we're all adult. We'll, we'll find a way forward. But your wing, your group, however you would put couch it in SNP terms, it feels like it's... In retreat, you know, Ian Blackford's not there anymore. Nicholas Sturgeon's not there anymore. Why is this happening now? Well, I think some people have characterised it, and, and I probably need to think about this a bit more, but I think there's something in the characterization I've seen some people talk about of it being a generational change. You know, there's a lot of people who have, have given so much to the party. You've mentioned some of these names already have been either the top of the party, the top of government, uh, just have kind of long, long histories within the in the national movement. 
Um, and you, what you're also starting to see is is new people come up, a new leader at Westminster, a new deputy leader at Westminster. We're now going to have a new leader uh, of the party and a new first minister. And, and who will be in, in the mix for that? We will see um, soon, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I don't think I don't think the shift or the changes are are necessarily um, ideological. I mean, perhaps that remains to be seen as a leadership contest gets underway. What it looks a bit like to me is 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 generational. But I probably need to think that through a bit more, to be honest. And with um, it's, I mean, it must just be such a a, a crazy time for you to. <laughs> Nicola Sturgeon is the, the, the most experienced, the most really the most popular politician in Scotland. And all of a sudden, I mean, obviously, it's not all of a sudden. A number of things have been happening, as you say. She's been around a long time. But because she still feels young and popular. I mean, today, when people were saying she's going to resign at 11 o'clock, I actually couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm sure you felt the same. You're like, no, it's going to be something else. And then once yeah. the BBC starts reporting it, you're like, what? Well, when I heard there was a press conference and I thought, oh, God, not another scandal. <laughs> um, and then I thought, no, she wouldn't be doing a press conference at Butte House if it was a you know a scandalous party thing. And it sort of came into my mind. I thought, is she going to resign? And I thought, no, of course she's not going to resign. Don't be daft. Um, and then obviously it broke, uh, and and she came forward, and and yeah, I'm struggling for words here, Matt. To oh, be honest, Matt, well, which, as you know, is unlikely. Yes, is, is anyone sort of putting the feelers out yet? Are people saying, "Oh, are you going to support this?" No, 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 none, none of that has, um, none of that has, has started. I think, as I say, people are 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 genuinely trying to process process the news. Uh, we will come to that, uh, and we will come to it in due course. But I think there's there's. In those I've spoken to, and as I say, I'm sure I'll see this when I go to my my local constituency party meeting this evening. Uh, I think there'll just be, yeah, there'll be a level of sadness, but you know what? She has she has done a shift like no other, and she is, and there'll be no other leader like her. I don't just say that in a kind of you know suck it up to her sense because I'm a loyalist and all the rest of it, but she came into that position with an apprenticeship that nobody else has got under their belt at the minute, you know top of the party for a long, long time, leader of the opposition, deputy first minister, head of the referendum planning, uh, and then first minister herself. She's won every single national election. Uh, I, I mean, every single one. She's won every single national election uh, since she took over as party leader. Um, so we, we literally, whoever takes over, um, takes over certainly from behind in that respect in terms of experience and, and chalking up electoral success. So it's 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 a massive massive job and members and and members of the public, you know, they've got high expectations on the Scottish National Party in terms of who we do. I think Nicola Sturgeon has set a bar uh, for us that the public will expect us to meet when it comes to that leadership contest. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And certain politicians have particular relationships with the public, whether people voted for them or not. And she had a, 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 always enjoyed a particular level of popularity that, again, makes it very hard for her to follow because other people might not initially enjoy that that connection with the public yeah she she she's always had a good connection with the public she's a phenomenal uh political communicator uh, and i don't just mean that in terms of what she did around the the pandemic although that was an obvious uh example of where those skills uh were really obvious to people but you know i've seen her i mean i've seen her campaigning i still remember my first election campaign, 2015, we were in Castle Milk. Uh, we went to uh, a part of Castle Milk and there was a kind of group of us campaigning in the street and a woman came running to her door. And you kind of never really know if there, somebody's running to shout at you or, or you know, endorse you. Um, and I still remember her name's Audrey. And every election, I still go back to Audrey's door because in that election... Nicola just waltzed into Audrey's house, took her shoes off, uh, obviously, uh, waltzed in, sat on the couch, spoke to Audrey, spoke to her family. Uh, and that's what she's like with people. She comes alive during election campaigns um, with members of the public. And and it, it's that thing. You see people, they call her Nicola. They feel like they know her. They feel like she's invested in them and they are invested in her even if they don't like the SNP, you know, and that's that's the sweet spot. That's the magic spot for a politician to be in. And very few politicians get to command that. And she has commanded that considerably for some time, even going back to when she was deputy first minister under Alex Salmond. Um, and to get that is, you know, that is something special. I don't know that you can learn that, uh, Matt. I think that's something you need to have. It's either there or it's not, you know. Do you think there's there's a kind of perverse irony to all this that people definitely felt that emotional connection to her and she obviously reciprocated that she enjoyed a level of popularity and all her achievements are, are basically electoral and as you laid them out that, that her extreme supreme personal popularity her almost freakish ability to win every national election but in the end hasn't really moved Scotland any close to a referendum probably ended up in a position over the whole de facto policy that she wasn't really that comfortable with and it, the whole thing's just been a big distraction from being able to deliver on public services, perhaps in a way that she would have preferred. Isn't there a danger that actually at the end of it, all her successes are basically about popularity and not actually about having changed Scotland much as a country? No, I don't think that is right. I, I think she she's definitely changed Scotland for the better. And I'm sure, you know, as, as time now goes on to play out, uh, her legacy will be picked over. And that's a healthy thing to do in a open democratic society and and we should do that and 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 you know figure out what we learn from that as a as a country but you know she was the first woman first minister the longest serving first minister she dealt with a global pandemic and she presided over uh she presided over a country that has moved forward. Now, that's not all down to her, but she's been the dominant figure and totem of Scottish politics. 
And in terms of the independence question, okay, we're in this kind of stuck holding pattern in terms of physically getting a referendum. But I think she has moved public opinion. If you look at the polling, two thirds of the public believe that a referendum should happen. That's not all independent supporters. You know, we're in this situation, and you and I have talked about this, where everything in Scotland is debated through the prism of the constitution, whether it's export policy, gay rights, everything, and it's unsustainable. And when the public is saying by two thirds majority, a referendum should happen, they believe there is a mandate for that referendum. Those who believe that that should happen, Nicola Sturgeon and the Scottish government, command considerable confidence in that respect. And I think, and she said this in her resignation speech today, and, I, and I've said this myself recently, I think there is a majority in the country willing to vote for independence. That hasn't just happened by magic. She has played, she has moved the dial on this and mainstreamed it in so many people's minds and got them to consider it. And other events have played a role in that, whether that's pandemic, Brexit and whatever else. But she has undoubtedly driven that, that psychological change across the country. And I'm confident that when we do get to a referendum, and we do vote for independence, that's in no small part down to the efforts of the First Minister. On things like education, though, which she said was a defining mission, I mean, on no level can she really claim to have had huge success in the time that she's had. I mean, do you think she will leave thinking, actually, given that I was never really likely to get an independence referendum in the time that I had, I'd have been better off really focusing on at least just that as a single policy pillar really delivering something and that not only would that have been a better use of my time, actually that would have made the case as a side effect for independence. No, I think she's got considerable domestic uh, achievements. I mean, you mentioned education, obviously it does have uh, challenges and, and education has always been a tricky policy area for the party uh, in government. There's no question of that. Even going back to when Alex Salmond was first minister, it's always been tricky. But have we moved the dial on on some stuff? Yes, we have. You know, there's there's now far more widening of access for people. The attention she's given in particular, and she mentions it in her resignation speech today, the attention she's given to care experience, young people, which is something very close to her heart. I think these are these are issues she can be proud of. Other domestic areas like the like the National Health Service, yes, it has massive, massive challenges right now. Um, but can you imagine if she wasn't there during the pandemic, what those challenges might otherwise be like? So I think if you zoom out and history does its thing and all the rest of it, I think it will be fair to Nicola Sturgeon, extremely fair to Nicola Sturgeon on her domestic record. And, you know, as I said earlier, we will no doubt start to get into a debate and discussion about that domestic record. That's a healthy, normal thing for the country, the party um, to do. But I, I, I don't accept the kind of characterization that our domestic record is a bad one. It's got challenges, but if it was so bad, her popularity wouldn't be where it's at. It just wouldn't. I mean, leadership takes its toll of any party, let alone of a country, let alone for the length of time she served. But COVID must have been such a... a I mean, I got the sense today, actually listening to her, that it, a lot of this was like a, almost like a physical drain not just covid but just the demands on an individual to lead during the time in which she's led effectively make it impossible for any individual to serve in that sort of post up to or beyond around eight years it, it, just the demands perhaps of covid 
as yeah. a thing will have hastened her departure in some way. It will have aged her, but even though she still looks as young and as fresh as she did, <laughs> it's done something to her as an individual where the demands of the job effectively prevented her from enjoying the other parts of being a human being alive on the planet in a way. It's bound to have, have had an effect like that. I mean, she was, it's not just that she was leader of the country during a pandemic, you could see that she was she was fronting up the government's response and she had gripped it. It was her and her close team uh, who led the country through that. Uh, it's not that she didn't just preside over, over events. She arrested them uh, and moved them in the right direction as much as she could. Um, and doing that whilst at the same time reporting enormous daily death numbers, um, of course that's going to have an enormous impact and i think covid and the, the 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 period during the alex salmond um issue i think those were two things that tested her political and personal resilience massively massively uh and in actual fact the that when, when the alex salmond inquiry and stuff like that was going on we were still kind of in that covid period um and and what that does to a person, I can't even begin to, I can't even begin to imagine. But still, she come out of it and got the best result for the party in the twenty twenty one election that any political party's ever had in the history of devolution. Solidified her her personal mandate. You know, master of all she she surveyed. And even with all that, she's chosen when she goes. She's chosen. Nobody else. I mean that in itself is, as you say, you know, it's a it's a luxury. Many many leaders will yeah. will envy her long into the future. She goes at a time when her personal popularity has been tested uh, quite significantly over uh, uh, gender reform legislation and self ID. She's ended up as someone who was always very in tune with the Scottish people, seemingly completely out of tune with them on on this particular issue, and perhaps the way in which the debate's been handled as well. Do you think? Had she listened to people like Joanna Cherry more or, or handled the, the public nature of this debate differently, she'd have hung around a bit longer? No, um, because she did listen. Um, and I know how much thought uh, she gave this issue over many, many years. I mean, I don't want to relitigate all the arguments about the about the legislation, but it is the most the single most consulted upon bit of legislation since the parliament uh began back in 1999 uh and i i think just the the debate and the culture war around gender uh recognition i just think it's gone in such a direction that's too big for any one person to arrest and bring back down back down to a level of good faith and honesty um and look, there's something in that for everybody to learn. I'm a I'm a supporter of the legislation, and there's I've got to learn some lessons there as well. Uh, and I would invite others on the other side of that to 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 in good faith do the same thing. Um, but I I I know how much uh, she put into that. I mean, she 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 became the face of it uh, essentially. Uh, and Shona Robeson did a masterful job in taking that through Parliament. It's no accident that it was Shona Robeson who did that. She's a very close personal friend uh, and trusted friend of the First Minister. Very, very close personal friend. Um, 
So, so you're now endorsing you Shona to be the next leader of the SNP? <laughs> Listen, if, if Shona wants to run and make a pitch, I think she'd make a, a, a great leader. But I'm not going to poison her candidacy by endorsing it just now. But that gives you a sense of how seriously she, she took this. Do I think that Nicola Sturgeon, commanding though she is, uh, could have changed the whole national and even global debate that's going on around this? No, I don't. And I think it's unfair to, to have expected her uh, to have done that. Um, but even despite all of that, despite the recent testing uh, times, the, the 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 hit to some of the polling numbers very very recently, she still leaves the leaves the stage the single dominant figure in Scottish politics. All of her peers and her detractors stand in her shade, uh, and unfortunately, they now always will. And do you think? This part of her that would have been a, that would have preferred to have been a more unifying figure. That in a way she got trapped sometimes in in the politics of the time, perhaps traps of her own making, not just on things like self idea, but just in general. That often her instincts, you know, she would talk about the tone of politics and then say things that she would have lambasted her critics for, and she seemed to be caught between on one level wanting to improve the the nature of public debate, but but never actually perhaps living up to those standards fully herself. I mean. Do you think there's a slight irony there that, you know, around the self-ID thing when she's talking about people being racist, it it seemed like a really unhelpful interve- intervention at that time. And, and and even just on the Constitution, that she could have reached out perhaps to no voters in a way that she may regret having not done. Well, on the two examples you mentioned, I mean, on the gender stuff, what she did correctly um, was she called out the bad faith actors engaged in that. Now, I think, I don't know, but I think you and I have differing views on the gender uh, legislation. I think both of us can agree there are bad faith actors uh, on on both sides, right? And that needs called out. And if, if a leader can't call that out, then it ain't leadership. Um, but she, she showed leadership and called it out. I don't think for a minute she meant everybody who opposed it or thought differently to her was a bad faith actor and thus a misogynist or, or a transphobe or whatever else. I don't think that for a minute. And that's not what she said. And on the constitution stuff, no, I, 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 I think she does command confidence amongst some no voters. Whether or not that was leading to them changing their mind in droves, well, we would only know from a referendum, I suppose. But as I mentioned to you earlier, Matt, two thirds of the public believe Nicola Sturgeon is right that a second referendum needs to happen. That ain't all people who are voting yes. I would love to think two thirds are going to vote yes. But I suspect that won't happen. So I, I think she, because of the confidence that people have in her and the respect that her opponents, uh, even if it's grudging respect, uh, have for her, uh, then I think she, I think she did reach out um, across the the political divide. You know, maybe she didn't get it right in everyone's eyes all of the time. Who cares? <laughs> it's kind of my answer, to be honest. She, she, I think she approached the job a hundred percent in the right way. Uh, she approached it, you know, with her heart on her sleeve. Um, and again, that's something that, that is at the top of politics these days, extremely rare. What do you think she's going to do now? She'll maybe join you and I for a pint in the Alison Arms. Do you think in our she might join you for a pint in the Alison Arms? <laughs> Well, I'm on the alcohol-free beer at the minute, so that'll be why's, fun. Why's that? Oh, I'm just enjoying enjoying the sober life, Matt. You should try it. It's great fun. Well, I was going to um, say, you do look like you've lost weight. 
Oh, what is that? So I used to be fat. That's great. No, 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 not at all. You're, you're, podcast you're, again. <laughs> even slimmer than you were before. What was she doing? I realize I mean, it was a rude she's... question to ask, actually. I, I shouldn't have, you know, <laughs> oh, sorry. Wrong thing to um, do. She's, um, she's, I think she said in her resignation speech she's going to be 53 this year. I really hope I've not got that wrong. Um, she's got options, you know, she's she's got many, many options, but whatever she chooses to do um, in the long term, I hope she has a well-earned break, her and Peter and our, our other close family and friends, uh, because after the shift she's put in, my God, she's earned it and she deserves it. So I don't know what she'll do. I don't doubt for a minute that she'll be, uh, you know, kind of front and centre of the next independence referendum campaign. But I think the break uh, that I hope she will have uh, is one that she's earned. I mean, she obviously loves books, loves walking. Yeah. I mean, do you think she might become a novelist? She might do. Um, I Did I see something recently about she was about a memoir or have I made that up? I know she had a book um, of speeches out. Women hold up half the sky, but th- th- there may be there may be a, a, a fuller I, memoir. I thought I saw something recently about a memoir, but it could be I've imagined that actually. Um, I mean, I hope she's got a political diary because it'll be fascinating to read and pour over. Um, and you're right; she loves books, and I suspect she'll be spending a lot more time with with books. Reading means a lot to her, and and that's something I've learned. From her as well is the importance of carving that space out. Even more important when you're head of government, uh, rather than a lowly backbencher like myself. Um, but yeah, I just I, I think the main thing is you know she needs a she needs a rest, and I hope she gets it. Uh, I hope she gets it. I mean, she might. She's still so young, obviously. And she's gone out of the top. Um, she might end up with a chat show on Russia Today or GB <laughs> News will, or something. That will. Not happen. Uh, her judgment is far finer uh, than her predecessors to ever accept a show on Russia Today or even GB News. But she might even, if you ask nicely, be a guest on one of your shows. Who knows? Who knows if she come back on the I'll show? Put again. A, I'll put a good word. I'll put a good word in for you. Oh, she done the show before at the Edinburgh Festival. But it'd be great for her to do it in London. Ah, maybe when right, the book okay. comes out. Maybe when the book comes out. But right. she does. I mean, just in closing, it, I mean, it's just such a surprise that she's gone now, isn't it? Because like you say, whether you're a supporter of hers or not, she's just such a dominant figure, not just in Scottish, but in British politics, really. One of the dominating, defining politicians of the era. I mean, you could argue, actually, no politician has defined British politics more in the last 10 years than Nicola Sturgeon. And well, it, you look at the number of the number of prime ministers she's seen off, Labour leaders at a UK and a Scottish level... Yeah. Um, do we count Lib Dem leaders these days? I'm not really sure <laughs> if we do. Um, you know, I, I I'd say this. I quite enjoyed. I I thought. Um, I thought. Um, I thought Theresa May's tweet was serving some uh, serving some humour uh, this afternoon, uh, especially that last part where she said, "You know, you can still make a a, a contribution from the back benches." Mm. Uh, Theresa May herself being no stranger to getting up and stirring the pot a bit. Um, and I think that's also a sign of the respect she was held in, even by those who, who she had a, a, a you know disagreeable political relationship with. They knew they were dealing with a serious professional, a professional to her fingertips. Um, and whoever we end up as leader, and whoever we have as leaders of other political parties, we need people to be serious and professional and grown up 
about politics. And for me, that's what Nicola Sturgeon, uh, that's what she defines, a, a fundamentally serious person. Uh, just in closing, Stuart, you, you mentioned uh, no alcohol beers. Do you have any particular that you'd like to recommend? Do you know, I'm really enjoying, I don't know if your podcast is sponsored or I've got against your sponsorships here sure. or whatever. I'm loving the Guinness Zero. Ah, yes, a lot of people recommend that. It tastes just the exact same. You wouldn't notice the difference. I'm enjoying the Guinness Zero, um, and I'm quite enjoying um, Lucky Saint. It's quite a good one. Uh, yes. They've got quite a big campaign, advertising campaign on. Uh, and I think probably Bira Moretti Zero is my favourite. Oh, I've tried Peroni Zero. It's really good. Yeah, I had that last night, actually, when I had a curry with Ian Blackford. So we were talking <laughs> about you. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, yes, there's a lot out there. But also, the booze-free gin isn't too bad either. Give it oh, a really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, excellent. you don't get the... You don't have the punch of the alcohol, but, you know, that's kind of the point. But it's still tasty. You get that botanical vibe. Yeah, which, as you know, I'm always looking for in the Alps and Arms. <laughs> Stuart, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Cheers, Matt. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Still can't quite believe it. I mean, it's not like when even when Tony Blair went, oh God, you know, you think of often obviously leaders go when they lose elections, but if you think of leaders, and obviously we've had a lot of prime ministers go effectively mid-term of late, um, but they were just in a different position. But I guess uh, a lot of that is about, and and I think it is really important to, in a way, take uh, personal politics out of this and, and politics and just think about the effect that politics has on individuals whether you agree with their legacy or not or how they've used their time but just what politics frontline politics leadership does uh to individuals obviously is quite severe uh, and it takes its toll even when to the outside world it might appear that it isn't and uh obviously certain leaders age better or worse than others but i mean obviously for the last couple of months people say oh well Nicholas Sturge is looking for the exit door and you could see all the political reasons why um but she also always personally appeared to be highly resilient to it and obviously this doesn't mean that she's not resilient it just obviously is a something whenever a politician announces they're going not just to assess their legacy as the leader of their party or, or their country or both but also just why are they going and what does that say about politics now? And I think, um, you know, whatever side of all the different debates any of us are on, it, I think it is worth just that reflection on uh, how hard politics is. And for all of us who care about it, and surely that includes you if you're listening to this, um, we should want to make politics a more enjoyable sphere and arena for those who go into it. It is the ultimate public service. And we should want that for uh, people that we uh, disagree with as, as much as we people we do agree with. So um, perhaps there are some reflections in there as well, not just for Nicholas Sturgeon, but for all of us uh, and, and how politics is conducted. So, my God, what, uh, what an incredible day. Uh, thank you for downloading this. Um, there's a, another amazing episode that I recorded today with Harry Cole, the political editor of The Sun. That'll be out in a couple of days. Um, but I just wanted to get a quick bonus episode out now uh, just because it was just such an insane uh, news story, really. And I'm very grateful to Stuart for giving me such a brilliant interview. Um, do leave a five-star written review. Come and see a live show. And uh, there'll be another episode out in a couple of days. Cheers. Bye.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.